I'm Major Robinson. Leslie Messer. Mike Halligan. Joel Rosette. Mary Stranahan. Senator Dwayne Ackney. Marcy McLean in Billings, Montana. In, in Helena, Montana. Box Elder, Montana. Rocky Boys Indian Reservation. Colstrip, Montana. Sydney, Montana. From Arlie, Montana. And you are listening. You are listening. And you're listening to. And you are listening to Listen First. Listen First. Listen First. You are listening to the podcast Listen First Montana. Hi, this is Chantel Schieffer, President and CEO of Leadership Montana. Views and opinions shared by guests of Listen First Montana do not reflect the opinions of all of our alumni or organization. We are a large group with lots of opinions, believe me. If you hear something that makes you uncomfortable, we invite you to listen deeply, listen hard, and listen first. This is Chantel Schieffer, and we are here in Helena today with three of our esteemed members of our Board of Governors. For the next couple of days, our group is coming together, our board and our staff and our consultants, to coming together to plan Leadership Montana's year ahead. Every summer, we come together for a couple of days to retreat, to recharge, to plan, to reconnect, and design what we're going to do for the next year ahead. So... Tonight, I'm joined by Julie Jenkinson of Helena, Daryl Hirsch of Bozeman, and Aaron Pratt of Helena. Welcome, friends. It's good to be here. Yeah, thank you for having us. Thanks. Let's start with just telling us a little bit about yourself. Daryl, let's start with you. So you're in Bozeman. You work with First Interstate Bank, one of Leadership Montana's uh, key partners, one of our founding partners, in fact. Um, and you work there as a commercial group manager. But tell us more about what you do and who you are and what, what excites you in your life right now. Oh, yeah, I'm a pretty excitable person, so a lot of things <laughs> excite me. Um, but, you know, my, my job is very exciting, especially in the Gallatin Valley right now, because we're getting a chance to see the city grow. And as commercial lenders, we're a part of that. And so you, you can't hardly drive around a street corner without seeing a project that we're working on. And that, that helps not only the skyline, but it helps the community members who are trying to make a part of that, trying to make a living with it. And, um, and, and it's a very rewarding position. Um, but, you know, outside of work, I'm a father of two little girls, eight and five years old. And just trying to keep up with them is exciting on its own. But watching them grow and watching the people that they're becoming, hopefully they're good and kind and they're gaining in knowledge and gaining in intelligence and that's that's really fulfilling and be, so between work my marriage and my daughters um i, I have a very happy life mm. thank you daryl i'm excited to dig in with you more about what you see happening in in bozeman it is such a growing community in our state all right julie julie jenkinson from our class of 2015 and our master's class of 2020 Julie is operations executive with Montana State Fund, again, another key leadership Montana partner, someone with whom we've developed long relationship with since our founding. So Julie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here. So same question to you. Tell us a little bit about what you do, who you are, and what is exciting for you right now. So I'm an operations executive at Montana State Fund, and you're right, um, since I joined Montana about nine years ago... Uh, first dipped my toe in the Leadership Montana pool, figured out what Montana was about, and Montana State Fund has a deep commitment to Leadership Montana. 
most of our executives have gone through it. And this year we have a great opportunity because while it's sad to see Lanny Hubbard retire, we have a new CEO, Holly O'Dell, who's excited to join Montana, excited to join Helena and all that that means. So I look forward to helping her learn more about Leadership Montana, more about Montana, more about what makes Montana so dedicated to Montana, really. So there's lots of exciting things going on at work right now. And in addition to that, I'm the mother of two daughters. They're a little bit older than Daryl's, but um, they're equally exciting. And while they don't live here in town with me during the summer, it's a great opportunity for us to reconnect. Um, In addition to that, I love everything summer in Montana means. So we've been fishing on the Missouri, caught a beautiful rainbow, We've been golfing, we've been hiking up on Mount Helena, and so life's great during the summer here, obviously. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's actually great here all year round, of course, but um, in addition to that, what I I think what's exciting is, although the uh, the, the Helena area may not be growing quite as much as the Gallatin Valley, there's lots of opportunity with new members to Montana, new people moving into the community, great opportunities for Leadership Montana to reach out and connect with these folks and help them learn what being a Montanan is all about. Something that, that you've said, I don't know if it's intentional, but it's just really striking to me that you said when I joined Montana, when Holly joined Montana, when she joined Helena, and, and thinking of residents as members, is that yeah. intentional? It's very intentional. Uh, you know, Montanans are very proud of being Montanans. And so for those of us that weren't lucky enough to be born here, we join the we join the feeling of how it feels to be committed to Montana. Mm. We don't just take up residence in a city. We actually join an effort and a commitment to everything that Montana stands for, which is community, uh, relationships, devotion to the land, preservation. It's just being a Montanan is so much more than just living in Montana. Mm. Okay, we're going to come back to that. We're going to dig in deep on that. I love it. Let's meet Aaron. Aaron Pratt from our class of 2017, master's class of 2020. Aaron's the deputy economic development representative for the Economic Development Administration. Long history in economic development. How many times can I say economic in a row? How many times do you say economic a day? <laughs> I, I say it a lot. In, you know, phone conversations and stuff, I have to almost have to kind of get in my headspace and say, what's my title? And repeat it back to myself before I, before I announce it in a call or a meeting. So you did a great job, Chantel. Thank you. So, yeah, a little bit about me. So I have worked in economic development here in Montana for about eight years since I moved back here. I grew up in Helena um, and then returned um, you know, at a time in my life when I was ready to start a family, when I was ready to kind of uh, put really deep roots down. And it's been a really great decision that, that my wife and I made very intentionally to come back to Montana. And it's been a good one. So, um, and my work, um, it's been interesting the last three years since the pandemic. I think my work has taken on a real greater sense of urgency and a really a greater sense of purpose. Um, um, and it's sort of added this whole new layer of depth to, to what I thought economic development was. And quite recently, it's taken a really interesting turn to something, some things I feel passionate about, which is indigenous communities, coal-impacted communities, and very recently flood-impacted communities, and seeing kind of what a coordinated effort in economic development can do to 
kind of move the needle for communities who are struggling or who have historically struggled. So um, to that end, I think my job feels really important to me um, in a way that it that it uh, not always has felt. Um, so yeah, and I get a lot of joy and satisfaction from that. So I'm married to, I uh, have a daughter who's four and similar to Daryl, I think, you know, my, my, um, my real sense of purpose in life is to make sure that she is a good person and is um, loved and is um, shown and learns how to be empathetic um, to people. And it's something I think about, you know, all the time. That's really, you know, my highest and best purpose as a person right now and my real focus. So... Thank you. I love seeing the commonalities in, in a group, even a small group of, of four people here sitting around this table of what we have in common is so much more than what we have in difference, right? I live in Helena now. I came most recently from Bozeman. So I have you know deep roots in both communities. We're all parents. We've all, you know, talked a lot about how that role as parent is is so important to who we are as as people not just it's not just our jobs it's not just what we do from nine to five or whatever your time is it's it's so much richer and deeper than that and and I feel like so often we just don't take the time to have those conversations in professional settings of you know who we are outside of work do you do you see that too do you feel that experience that in your lives It's so easy to have happen. We get so wrapped up in our conversations about work that unless you have a moment to really think about it, you don't, you may say, how many children do you have? Or are you married? Or what do you like to do? But to really dig in on what it means to be a parent or a spouse or a partner. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a, it has to be super intentional. Mm -hmm. It's such an important part. If we, if I listen to Daryl and Aaron, and I know I felt the exact same way. I felt like my mission in life was to try and raise a good human. Mm-hmm. Um, much more than what I do at work is my purpose for my family. Yeah, I'm the worst about this because it, it's almost like my, my icebreaker when I meet somebody new is, what do you do for a living? Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder why we do that because it, it seems to place that in the forefront of what, what somebody is and where we are. We're so much more. I mean, I, I'm, I'm certainly proud of my job and my performance there, but I'm significantly more proud of my, my daughter was sick yesterday. So I watched sing Two and held her hand and I, I felt like I was doing something good at that point. And, you know, th- those should be the types of conversations that we're getting into with people, maybe not in the first five minutes, but that, that, that's, that's where the value really lies in, in people. Yeah, and I think, I've been lucky in my last um, my last job with the governor's office and this job with my team in Denver. I think there's a real renewed interest and a renewed um, value proposition around what our families mean to us and a real recognition of that by our employers, which I think is really refreshing and really um, different from what I've experienced in the past. I think I think people, the people that I've worked for and with, sort of. Um, are really being intentional about um, how our families affect our time and how our families affect our performance and how this pandemic um, has affected all of it. And I, there's a real, you know, reality check and a real realization that um, without our family lives um, sorted out, our, our, our performance at work is going to 
to suffer to a great extent. So there's a more, I think, a real, hopefully, a more holistic kind of view of of how our work lives and personal lives are so deeply interconnected, and, and I hope that continues. I'm hopeful for that too. I think I've definitely seen a number of shifts in in priorities and balance. Um, balance is such a hard word because does it really exist? No. Um, but I I'm I'm hopeful that as we come through the other side of this pandemic, hopefully we are coming through it soon, that that is one of the things that we will take as a benefit is a more renewed sense of the whole person, not just who we are in the office. So, so speaking of COVID and the pandemic, all three of you participated in Leadership Montana classes during the pandemic. Uh, Daryl from our flagship class of 2020 and, and Aaron and Julie were in the master's class of 2020. I'm curious what that experience was like for you. I know what my experience was like. I want to hear from you. <laughs> I don't know. I think, I mean, Julie and I, we traveled together um, a couple of times during mm-hmm. the during the pandemic and um, it was interesting to have those conversations with her and kind of just calibrating your interactions with people and calibrating your response to the event in general, I think made it, it added a real level of stress for me. I can remember sitting in the hotel lobby up in Red Lodge and just being like consumed by, by like fear and uncertainty about, you know, what does this mean? Is this worth the risk? Is our time here well spent? Is it, um, you know, I think there was just a lot of this layer of uncertainty and fear for me that kind of permeated those experiences, right? And But I think also I really enjoyed spending time with people when we were doing things outdoors and like all the thoughtful choices that were made to keep everybody safe and to let that, let that, um, let those events continue, I thought was really um, an interesting pivot and a, like a strong positive reaction from the organization. So it's just real mixed, I think. Um, do I wish we'd have had the experience without that kind of overlay to it? Yes. Um, but, um, I would, there's no one I'd rather go through it with than the people I did, including Julie. I think we all, you know, we're sort of like our, our relationship and our knowledge of each other is strengthened by, by going through that thing together. So I so agree, Aaron, because, you know, we did, we traveled a couple of times and I went by myself to Fort Benton and, um, given the choice, I'd rather go with someone that I could kind of unpack what it meant to be in the midst of COVID when we were in the midst of it, you know, by myself, you can, when you're traveling by yourself, you can almost pretend everything's fine. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, just asking, so what do you think about what's going on? And to be around a group of thoughtful people committed to supporting one another during a time when the world felt very crazy and very uncertain. I get it wasn't ideal, but it really, I think, maybe had a deeper impact at the moment because I got to go through something like that with people that I knew um, were as careful and thoughtful as they could be, but at the same time, like, let's still grow, not just be focused on this pandemic. And so I agree, while it wasn't ideal, um, and it would have been awesome to have the full, the full experience, if you will, 
I think we had a full different experience. Mm. I certainly don't feel cheated in any way. And like I said, I, I think there are parts of that that maybe were a little deeper than, than they might have been otherwise because no one had ever been through something like that. Mm-hmm. And you had the benefit of going through the master's class. So you, you went through the flagship class in right. 2015 and 2017, way before any of this craziness was happening. We had other levels of chaos, right? But you, but you knew what you were getting into, right? For Daryl, mm-hmm. brand new to the Leadership Montana world, uh, flagship class in the middle of a pandemic. What was that like for you? Well, you know, it was a lot like COVID itself in that, and I'm not in any way trying to minimize the catastrophic um, physical toll that COVID took on this country and the world. Um, but for a lot of us, COVID was mentally more straining, um, especially, you know, those of us that weren't at high risk. And, and so my class was a lot like that. You guys have all been through leadership and it's, it's a lot of things, but one of them is it's a, it's a very emotional thing to go through. It's an emotional course. And I've never in the business world been a part of something that brings people to that close of a bond. You know, it happens on sports teams that they're together for four years, or I would imagine in the military, or if you work with somebody for 20 years. But this course does that in a matter of nine months, two or three days a month. And, and so we were just getting to that, right? We were, we were in our seventh class, I think, and mm-hmm. it got canceled. And so mentally, it was really, really difficult to to see, am I going to be able to finish this course? Am I going to get to see these people that now I feel as close to as family members? And so the mental toll was, was very, very difficult, but the, in true leadership fashion and you and your team put together protocols and let us have the ending experience that was just absolutely wonderful. And then you went ahead and made up the class a year later, which was a lot of fun in Mile City, which was my hometown. So that felt really good. But it was, it was, you know, we were scared about a disease that nobody understood at the time. But yet there was this yearning to want to get together to have that, that final experience of what we had been leading up to. And so it was great that we got to do it. And I, I agree with you, um, Julie, we, no regrets. Um, in the way it played out because it, we still managed to get that closeness by the end and finish it off. Yeah, that was the one, one time in my now eight years at Leadership Montana that we have canceled a program was that one, your March session. And you're right, we did. We, we went back to Mile City and made up for it a year later and we had a good time mile city i remember walking into one of the establishments and seeing all these people with like your last name on their back of their their shirts because they have the same last name and they're was it baseball players uh it could have been baseball could have been football could have been track could have been anything the the hershes make up about a full page length in the phone book in mile city and it's not that thick of a phone book to begin with so (laughs) so let's talk about Leadership Montana and in your uh, your roles as members of our Board of Governors now, what do you see as opportunities for our organization? Why do you serve our organization? Who wants to go first? Aaron? So, yeah, I think my first sort of 
real interest in the board was um, interaction I had with Amy Kellogg and just getting to know her outside of Leadership Montana and just being so impressed by her and just being just fascinated watching her sort of lead a group in a very commanding and thoughtful and humorous way and then knowing she was on the board and then being invited to attend a board meeting where Lanny chaired a meeting and and just seeing how um, what a functional and um, healthy and mutually respectful group it was. And so that sort of really solidified my interest in serving on the board, I think, was just seeing these people um, who I was so impressed by and so interested in knowing better and so so honored to be able to have an opportunity to follow in their footsteps and learn from them was my kind of real catalyst interest for for being interested in serving on this board. And I think that's um, that's kind of where it all started for me. And um, Bruce Wittenberg, too, knowing him outside of Leadership Montana and, and learning about his role in, in creating this organization, too. Just a real sense of um, responsibility and bringing their ideals and their energy and their um, hope for the organization forward, I think, has really inspired me, continues to inspire me. And whenever I see them, I'm reminded of that responsibility and that privilege. Mm. What do you see as opportunities for our organization going forward? Well, I mean, I think just in our political climate and now in our sort of economic climate, there's a real opportunity for Leadership Montana um, to kind of hold those conversations that are difficult um, and be a sort of safe place for people um, across the political divide, across the economic divide to come together and um, have the tough conversations and build the real and long lasting relationships that are going to help um, form whatever Montana is next, right? So um, I think Montana, I think Leadership Montana is uniquely positioned to do that um, and has shown a real um, aptitude at that. So I think the kind of possibilities are limitless when you have the power to convene and hold tough conversations um, and leave those conversations with a better understanding of each other and a trust of each other and a love for each other that, that didn't exist before. So question for everyone, what does that mean to hold hard conversations, to hold space for hard conversations? What does that look like in your, in your lives? I think that you have to have a real commitment to the other person, to leaning in and listening to them. And I know we talk about the difference between listening and hearing, but the part that I like the, to, to focus on is um, starting the conversation with intention and paying attention to how the other person is processing the conversation. So it's not just about what I'm intending to say, but how is the conversation getting processed? Is it, is it growing its own or is it two people taking turns talking? Mm -hmm. And the part that I love about the leadership Montana experience is between gracious space and gracious collaborations with Pat Hughes, the leadership challenge. These are all efforts for us individually to gain a better awareness about our own intention, but also how to have those conversations in ways that, like Aaron said, is respectful and kind, empathetic, with a real, I'm going to say it again, with a real commitment to 
where does the conversation go? Not just taking turns talking. I, I think we're, you know, we're taught from a very young age to, to try to win. Um, try to win in sports, try to get the best grades in school, try to go out and get the best job. You know, you, our, our goal seems to always be to try to win. And I think there's, there's certainly a time and a place for that. And it's a good thing. But, but when, when that overlays into our conversations and really out in the public, you see it every day on TV and things, people need to stop trying to win and start trying to understand a lot more. And if you can do that, it's a, it, it really becomes habit forming and it becomes really, really interesting. Uh, sometimes people don't want to talk to me because I keep asking them to, well, tell me more about what you think. And they don't, they don't want to tell you. <laughs> and it's like, no, no, I, I really, cause they don't trust that. I really do try just want to understand. And cause it might be different than me. It might be the same view as me. I just want to understand where you're coming from. And it's, it's in that understanding of people where that that trust is formed and when they get to the end of that conversation and realize oh you you were serious you didn't want to change my point of view you might say you have a different point of view but you just wanted to understand where I was coming from and they're a lot more open to it the next time when you start asking those types of questions and it's it's really a great thing when you see it play out in front of your face oh yeah I'm a big believer that we need more of that in our society, right? More conversations to deeply understand where someone's coming from rather than trying to change someone's mind. Tell me more, Daryl. How do you do that? How do you engage those conversations with people? And how do you, I heard you say, people don't want to talk to me anymore. I ask them too many questions. They're walking away. How do you pull them back in? Well, I, you know, I, it helps to explain what you're doing. Um, just, just saying, listen, I really, I struggle with this is what I like to say to people is that I, I, I don't understand how somebody can have that viewpoint. And all I want to know, I want to understand it better. And so explaining kind of what you're trying to accomplish, but not, again, not everybody goes into the conversation wanting to do that. They go into the conversation wanting to have a debate and debate has become our default position, especially, you know, on TV and in politics and things along those lines. I think the shows where they yell the loudest get the best ratings right now. And, um, and once somebody sees that and hears you explain what you're trying to do, I've had great conversations about very, very difficult, I mean, pick your political topic of the day and with people who I knew deferred from me. And we both left smiling and having a good time by the end of it. And it's, it, that's the approach that I think, and that's what I'm so excited about the future of leadership in Montana is, you've reached a critical mass with so many graduates that are out there approaching the world like this. And the more the, um, the more that outreach keeps going and the more people are willing to engage in those conversations, it's, it's going to make Montana that much better, which is, it's already pretty great. Mm-hmm. That is so true, Daryl. The, you, you said something that really struck me that I don't know if you intended to say that leadership Montana is teaching people how to have conversations but that is, I think, really part of the heartbeat of Leadership Montana. Have the conversation, not the debate, not trying to change someone's mind, but really try and figure out where, what don't I know about what you believe? What don't I know about the topic? And how can we communicate better? So I think that was a really important point. Yeah, I totally agree, Julie. I think 
what what sort of leadership Montana has taught me and demonstrated to me is I'm going into a conversation to learn something, mm-hmm. not to teach something mm-hmm. to somebody. Like, and I kind of walk into those conversations saying I'm going to learn from this person uh, something I didn't know before, and I might get proven wrong, um, which is always an interesting feeling. But um, just having that openness to to listening to hearing someone out, being open to having your mind changed and being uh, accepting of the fact that you may be proven wrong and um, and that's okay. So I think that's that's a great um, lesson that I've learned from Leadership Montana. Great point you made, Daryl, too, about about winning. Right? We go and we want to get our points across. We want to we want to make sure our position is well established and and heard and we get the last word and and then we walk away and you know then nobody really wins and what have we really gained so i i feel like it's the way you talk you you it's the approach you took with your grandparents right when you when you talk to your grandparents at least i i I piped down and listened when my grandpa talked about things and my grandmother and if we had took that approach throughout history um, with our peers we, we, we may be teaching something everybody already knew. Um, Leadership Montana might be teaching that which we already had, but we don't. We seem to we, we seem to compete, um, and that's that's good sometimes, but certainly not all the time. Let's talk about one of what I see as Montana's biggest issues right now, which is what Julie talked about in the beginning of how we welcome people who are coming to our state as visitors or as residents, because Montana, I don't know if you all know, but we have been discovered. People are coming here in droves, as Daryl knows for sure, being in Bozeman, and as we are seeing in Helena, too, um, we're, we're growing and expanding. And, and this question that I have for myself and for for us, for Leadership Montana, is do we play a role in whatever that looks like, that welcoming of new Montanans, new members to Montana? It's funny because this I was just thinking about this today in a couple of different contexts, right? So um, my wife is from Texas. Um, I have another good friend. Her husband is from New Jersey. I have another good friend, and his husband is from Florida. And all of our spouses who are not from here are the most deeply committed and loyal Montanans that I've ever met. They're the most enthusiastic and um, passionate and engaged Montanans, and we are so fortunate to have them, right? Above and beyond those of us that are native Montanans, it's been really interesting to witness these imports really um, take it to the next level in terms of their passion and commitment for the state and how lucky we are to have them and how we should embrace them. Um, and then just this afternoon, I was at Blackfoot and um, I saw this couple come in with their children. Blackfoot and Brewery. Blackfoot mm-hmm. Brewery. Thank you for our listeners that don't know. Helena, Montana. Um, <laughs> and uh, they came to the counter and they ordered and the bartender said, oh, where are you folks from? Because they clearly hadn't been in there before and didn't know the how to order the beer and everything. And and they kind of sheepishly said, oh, we're from L.A. And the bartender goes, oh, that's cool. Welcome, you know. And he was just so welcoming to them. And I think they were really surprised and delighted to to have a warm welcome. And I was so proud to kind of um, witness that and see that 
welcoming spirit that that I think we all should we all should sort of um, um, demonstrate. So just thinking about that today. So I think that's our mission, right? Is to bring bring people here who appreciate and love it and let them um, let them become Montanans and encourage them to. That's not always the case. That 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 graciousness that you described in your experience today is not always the case in how our visitors are, are treated and, and how even you, Julie, as a mm-hmm. as an early um, new member mm-hmm. to Montana, mm-hmm. you were treated poorly. Yeah, there were there were some moments. There were there's no doubt. And um, thankfully I had the support of leadership Montana and we had those conversations and I kind of leaned into what is what is this all about? And you know, that was nine years ago, and there's been a lot more imports, if you will, since then. And I think we're learning as Montanans to be more welcoming. We'll still see some notes like, you know, we're full. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I believe that a big part of why I committed to Montana and a big part of why Montana accepted me was what I learned through this program of Leadership Montana. You know, going to the different communities and really digging in and figuring out what were their issues and what what did it mean to be a Montanan in Sydney versus Missoula uh, versus Butte. You know, this is a very rich state with very deep roots and different reasons why people commit to it. And we need to help the folks that that come here, not just appreciate that maybe they can get more land for their money, um, but what does it what does that mean? And why do we love it here? And it's more than just the big sky and the beautiful land. Mm-hmm. Daryl, what are you seeing in Bozeman? Massive expansion in every direction. <laughs> um, it's yeah, Bo- Bozeman's definitely a hot market right now. And you know, as we're, I'll start with the good. I, I think the beauty of the people coming in is they chose to be here. You know, and there's something to be said for that. I was born in Miles City. I was, I'm a quote unquote original Montanan. And, um, but I didn't choose to be here. Julie chose to be here. And, and they came here, whether it be on a visit or a trip or they, they saw what we had and they said, you know, that's beautiful. And so there, there's something beautiful about somebody choosing to be in a place as opposed to just being born there. And I think as Montanans, we are generally pretty welcoming. In Bozeman, the pace of change is so rapid right now that I think that, you know, we, we're not scared of the individual people. We're, we're scared of the growth. We're, we're, we're afraid a little bit of is it going to lead to bad things economically if it slows down or if it really slows down? We're afraid, is it going to change the dynamic um, of the city? Because Bozeman's a beautiful, safe, um, welcoming community. And we continue that, even though there's you know, been 20,000 new people move in in the last 10 years. Um, and so it's the fear of change that I think grips people. But just like Julie found out, it's, um, it's not fear of any individual person. And I, anybody that truly wants a piece of this, I, I, you have to support them because they're, they're choosing to come to something that you learned to love when you were born. 
my husband and I, we've often had this conversation about what is the, quote, best kind of Montanan, because we're both lifelong Montanans. And he never left. He, like you, grew up, never left. I grew up here, left, came back. And then there's a third kind of Montanan who chooses to to move here organically. And I've come to to change my perspective on this, to, to really say, as long as you love Montana, that's just fine with me. You, you're welcome. Love Montana, we love you too. All right, let's hit the rapid fire quick. Aaron, who is your favorite superhero and why? Boy, who's my favorite superhero? I don't know if I have one. Um, I'm not much into superheroes. Um, I'd say my dad is my favorite superhero. Um, He's just like the coolest, kindest, smartest, um, most accomplished, most giving, um, most thoughtful person that I've ever met. And I feel like if I can emulate him to, you know, to 10% of what I think he's accomplished and been as a man and as a, a community member and as a um, brother, then I think I've accomplished my goal. I just admire him in so many ways and uh, more every day. Mm. That is a superhero by definition, to be sure. Thank you. Daryl, fill in the blank. Leadership is? Leadership is investing in others. I, I think that's the best way to put it. You, If you give your time thoughtfully, give your skill set thoughtfully to help somebody else grow, they're going to recognize you as a leader. It, it, it doesn't mean somebody that's up to the microphone, which I'm literally up to a microphone right now. It, it's the person that people want to follow because they know they're going to help them get somewhere better. Mm. And so leadership is investing in others. I love that. Julie, who do you admire the most? Wow, that's, that's a tricky question. You know, actually, I would say my daughters. My daughters have taught me, in my te- trying to teach them, have taught me how to be a better person. And have really made me lean into how can I really help them? It's, they've made me be better, le- a better leader. Mm-hmm. Because I agree with you, um, Daryl, it's about investing. And parenting is about investing. So I admire my daughters in that they don't just treat me like a parent. They treat me like a a person that they want to have a relationship with. Mm -hmm. And the way they do that is careful and empathetic and caring and just makes me really realize that um, if you invest in a relationship, um, it gives you something, there's something there for to admire in it. And those girls are just mm, Mm. every bit of my heart and soul. Mm. They had a wonderful example growing up Mm. and continued. All right. Erin, what are you reading right now? A lot of children's books. <laughs> I read probably 15 children's books a day. Um, I read a lot of, I've been reading some blog posts that have been interesting me. One called The Daily Stoic mm-hmm. um, about minimalism and um, just kind of creating an uncomplicated life for yourself. I've heard a lot about the Daily Stoic. I just interviewed um, from your class, Joel Rosette, and he was reading that. That was Mm -hmm. what he was reading, too. So it's on my list. Daryl, 
If a movie was to be made about your life, what would the genre be and who would play you? Boy, I'd, I'd like to say something really exciting, but it would probably be a comedy. There's no doubt about that. Um, I, I enjoy humor in all aspects. I, if you're not having fun, I don't know why you're doing what you're doing. So it would definitely be a comedy. And boy, who would play me? Um, again, I, I'd wish it would be somebody like Sean Connery, but it'd probably be the guy that played Chandler on Friends, to be honest <laughs> with you. All right, Julie, if you could spend one day doing anything at all, what would you do? Why are their their questions so much easier than my own? <laughs> uh, anything I could do. Um, you know, I would probably spend the day with my daughters in a museum. Mm. We love experiencing art and expression together and kind of talking about what it means. Uh, it, you know, that could be anywhere. It could be on the river as well, but... In a museum, we both, we all, all three of us tend to get in a different thoughtful space. And, um, you know, it's, it's kind of like a dance. Someone will move ahead in the room and someone will come back and say, come look at this with me. And so there's kind of this dance going on at the same time. And um, by the end of the day, we just all feel so rich. Oh, I love that. Erin, if you could go anywhere in the world, where would you go and why? If I could go anywhere in the world, I think I would go back to Scotland. I just fell in love with Scotland and the people there and the landscape and the food, believe it or not, and um, the scotch. I think it was just, <laughs> I, I loved every bit of it, and I think about it a lot. And um, um, my, my, my ancestors are from, on my dad's side, are from Scotland. Um, and I'm not sure if that plays a part in it. There's some kind of deep DNA response to how much I loved it there but I think if I could spend a couple weeks in Scotland I'd feel a whole lot better. Daryl what's your favorite hobby? Anything where I'm physically active with my daughters. Um, we we set up bases and I pitch to them and they all try to score before I can run and get the ball and everybody's screaming and laughing um, but I guess I could probably dial it in more. Boating on the lakes of Montana is really, really hard to beat, and my daughters are there with me. I've got a wonderful picture of me throwing them off the back of the boat. It was parked. <laughs> totally safe. They had life jackets on. <laughs> but um, just any, anything where I get to be the fun dad, and boating really brings out the best. All right, Julie, what is one of your quirks? I'm incredibly clumsy, and uh, if I don't fall every day, some miracle has happened but the good news i've had some epic falls epic falls think in the middle of san francisco and papers flying everywhere um but it's the humor so while it may not be the the quirk is is the is the clumsiness but it's i'm with you daryl if ever life is funny life is really funny and you know that epic would have been in the middle of a movie with papers flying everywhere and i was laughing i was laying in the middle of the sidewalk in the middle of the street laughing so I guess if you want to say that the quirk is that I just always find the humor. Mm. Yeah. That's funny because you, you, you did fall at a party at my house. I did. And it was epic, too. It was epic. <laughs> and now we have this, like, runner over that space. And I call it the Julie space. Yeah. You'll all see it tomorrow. Yeah. If there's a way to fall, I'm going to find it. I've fallen out of a house into a garage, and I never... I I swear I didn't move. I don't even know how it happened. So, yeah, it's a, it's a special skill. <laughs> I will live long and never break a hip because I know exactly how to fall. 
You don't have far to fall. Oh, the great there thing we about go. You. And there's the, the, <laughs> the requisite short joke. Thank you. Thank you, Eric. Thank you all so much for spending this hour with me. Appreciate it. Appreciate all you do for Leadership Montana and for Montana as a state. And I'm just so grateful to, to be in your presence tonight. Thank you. It was so fun. Thank you, Chantel. Thanks, yes. Chantel. Yes, great. thanks for having us. Thanks to Julie Jenkinson, Daryl Hirsch, Aaron Pratt, and Chantel Schieffer for that fantastic conversation. And thanks to you for listening in. If you've enjoyed today's show and want to support Listen First Montana, please tell a friend about the show or share your favorite episode on social media. Those small steps can really help us connect these stories to more listeners. Our intro is a rendition of the Montana State song by Scott Gudger, and our other music is from Blue Dot Sessions. We'll see you in two weeks with our next episode. Until then, thanks for listening to Listen First, Montana. <laughs>